probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hutt, and joining me as ever in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. He's a man that's... Hold on, hold on. It's the Death Star Bly run again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think that is the most immersive Bly pun ever. The most immersive. I mean, you're not going to top that one, Matty boy. Yeah, especially when it comes to immersion. Well done, mate. Very, very, very pleased with that one. Very impressive. But how on earth are you, Matty boy? You good? <laughs> After that, yes, I'm very good, mate. That was a, uh, a quite an eleventh hour fly pun. It came to me this afternoon, so um, I think someone's looking down on me fondly today. But yeah, I'm good, man. I've got a cup of tea. I know we always start with the weather, but it is baking. It's blue skies in Brentwood tonight, uh, which is lovely to be able to talk some Star Wars and look outside and think, you know what? It ain't so bad out there after all. So um, not bad. And how about you? And I think also very diff- definition of a naughty, dirty weekend. I think you've had one. Uh, that is true, yeah. There are probably uh, I mean, other definitions. Would, but... would we really be British if we wouldn't be talking about the weather? You of know, course. it is the common thing we all talk about here. You know, like just look up at the sky and roll your eyes at someone nearby and they'll be like, yeah, I know, right? You know, like it's just our... It's that our coming. That's it, mate. It, that That is our union as a people <laughs> on these crazy aisles. Uh, and then other than that, no, you're right. It is baking. It is super hot. And I know it's only going to get hotter this week, um, but there we go. Beautiful summer, beautiful Essex sun, mate. Um, but yeah, had a pretty spicy weekend, mate. Uh, saw some family, spent some time uh, with the missus, played some games. You know how it is. You know yeah, how it stuff. is. I mean, I don't exactly know what you're specifically talking about. Oh no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that Patreon show you dropped yeah, all about hey, it. Yeah, of course. Oh, flaming out. Do, do you know what? I, I swear, since lockdown, ironic, I've, I have like, I find it harder to recall what I did and when, you know, like since lockdown. I'm losing it, mate, boy. You've only got like a few months left of me before I uh, go completely mental. Completely do lally. Do lally. That's it, mate. No, yeah, um, me and uh, my, my brother James and Glavar, uh, we went uh, to a few geeky shops around uh, South Essex. And, um, yeah, we did a Patreon show all about it. That's on my uh, journal of Luke Blywalker. You can go listen to that. You can go listen to that after this show. And it's only for $2. And once you've listened to that episode, you can listen to a load more episodes. Um, so, yeah, $2 a month. Go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions to give that a listen. Nah. Yeah, it's that kind of synergy that makes Star Wars Sessions a... Uh... Podcast. What you yeah. come for? You come for the Star Wars. Stay for the memory. Uh, so, if talking to patron, we've actually got another nice announcement to make. Luke Bly, we got a new patron. Yes, we have, mate. Big shout out, a massive thank you to our new patron, Ollie nineteen ninety nine, for joining at this is where the fun begins. Tear. 
if you guys hadn't noticed by now, all of our tiers are named after Revenge of the Sith quotes, which I think is pretty cool. No, yeah, that was that was, that was um, exclusively Blylo Wren's uh, imagination coming out of that one. So yeah, nice one, Ollie. Thank you so much for that. Uh, again, wise, well, like we say, we appreciate we appreciate you. Thank you so much for giving your time and and your money into supporting the show. And we hope you enjoy the shows we're going to put out this month. And like Luke said, we've got a a, a raft of shows from the last what eight months now when we've got a lot more coming so mate thank you so much yeah thank you so much ollie mate all right in the distance i can hear a chime i think i can hear big ben kenobi oh oh you naughty boy ring them bells star wars squadrons has been revealed via cinematic and gameplay trailers and is slated for release on the 2nd of october Oscar Isaac has said he'd only return to the Star Wars franchise if he needed another house or something. Ewan McGregor has said he'll enjoy working on the Kenobi series more than he did working on the prequels due to the practical nature of the production. And the 4K version of The Empire Strikes Back is being re-released in select UK cinemas in July. Hello, this is Ahmed Best. I am Jar Jar Binks in the prequels of Star Wars. And you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, which is probably the UK's best Star Wars program. In 2016, Star Wars fans watched in wonder and fear as the Rogue One squad came together to steal the plans for the Death Star. They did subsequently all kick the bucket before Vader showed up to remind everyone who the real boss is. However, there was one man who Darth Vader was aligned with. One man who didn't fear the Dark Lord himself. But sometimes you just need a guy who gets the job done. Maybe an intimidating minister for magic, an enigmatic surgeon at Holby City Hospital, no less, or a planet-destroying, weapon-stealing governor. There is no one like that, you say? Well, somebody sounds an awful lot like our guest tonight. We're joined by Grand Moff Tarkin himself, Guy Henry. Guy, how are you? And welcome to the show. Well, uh, I'm very well. I feel better after that wonderful introduction because I sound fantastic, don't I? I'm really brilliant, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of all in CGI makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Thank you so much for coming onto the show, Guy. You you are cemented as a Star Wars legend. And as Matty Boy has already said, you're involved in a lot of different things. Um, I know you're you're you've got a Shakespearean past, haven't you? You've been involved in the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yes, I mean we don't we, yeah, we, we don't want to go on and on about it and get the authorities worried, but I have a Shakespearean past, yes. I've shouted in the in the evening. That's what we call it. I would strap the name and that's it. To be or not to be. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is brilliant. And and it is it is fantastic to have you on because you are one of the most feared men in the galaxy. And it really was one of those moments. There were rumours going around, Guy, because Matty Boy and I, we we kept up to date with rumours of the Rogue One production. We watched it as it unfolded. And we went to Star Wars Celebration in London in 2016 and went to the panels on that. And it was brilliant. It was fantastic. But little did we know 
we would see Tarkin back. And that was all because of you and the Rogue One team. Now, one of the first questions, I, I think we should just dive into it. One of the first questions I want to ask you, Guy, was what was it like just being on set and working with someone like Gareth Edwards? What was that like? Uh, terrifying, really, because um, I'm I'm not a mimic, uh, and I, you know, I, I I loved Peter Cushing as an actor, who obviously was the original and wonderful Tarkin in the in the original film. So. Um, I, I genuinely admired him long before this uh, project Rogue One came came along. So the idea of uh, filling his, I was going to say shoes or boots, but of course he did the, he wore the carpet slippers on set a lot of the time, as I'm sure everybody knows. Um, <laughs> but the idea of filling those slippers, boots, whatever they are, it was genuinely daunting. And I mean, I'm better. Uh, I do a better impression of Peter O'Toole, who was in fact my hero. Um, so there's a bit of a, well, I'm supposed to be being Peter Cushing. There's a, a slight hint of O2 creeping in there. But um, no, it's very, very frightening, very daunting. I tell you, though, um, Gareth Edwards and the whole team couldn't have been nicer. Uh, um, it, what they are of the first AD, it was a fantastic bunch. Very courteous, very kind. Um, so you couldn't wish for more than that, really, if you're, if you're frightened. No, I mean, it must have been, there must have been pressure taken on an iconic role as Tarkin is, but like you say, also stepping into the, um, the fluffy footwear of, of Peter Cushion, OBE, uh, who was, who's a legend in acting anyway, not just in, in Star Wars. Um, first, how, how long were you on set for? Cause Rogue One obviously had its issues and I'm sure we'll touch on that shortly, but how long were you on set for? And did you know, I mean, I'm assuming you did, but um, did you know there was going to be CGI mastery for your face, for your face? Oh, in yeah. this film? Well, I mean, it, it was not, I don't think it was ever 100% certain. A lot of things about that film were not... Hello, Walter. That's one of my dogs has just come in. To, Hello, Walter. To my, my office here. Hello, Walter. Go away. I'm busy. Um, and, oh, now they're off. Um, they're barking in the background, the live. Um, you, you know, I mean, it was never 100% certain, or at least Gareth pretended it wasn't, how they were going to do it. The idea was CGI, full-scale, um, you know... Tarkin uh, would appear, uh, but there was talk of doing it with me with makeup. Uh, I mean, real standard Max Factor five and nine makeup, uh, or um, you know, this amazing CGI. I like to think of it. Somebody it wasn't me that said it. But somebody said it's CGI digital makeup, which I, I suppose it is, making me look like somebody else, Peter Cushing. And brilliant it is too. But there was lots of different uh, sort of wobbles all the way through. One minute I was wearing lots of dots that were white. Another time I was wearing a sort of mask-like thing. Then I was wearing a sort of Peter Cushing wig because I was a little bit younger than Peter Cushing was when he did it. And um, and anyway, I don't look like him. My hair isn't like his. So, you know, there was... There was quite a bit of of, uh, of experimenting along the way. How yeah, how was it that you got the role? Can I ask? Because because um, it's it's a big old role, and from our um, conversations off here, obviously you said you're not you're not the biggest aficionado of the of the franchise. So did you have to audition, or did, or were you um, tapped up? 
I didn't audition. Um, my agent, uh, my secret agent, uh, rang and said, that, now this is a very, very secret thing, I'm telling you, and uh, you're not allowed to know anything about it. I don't know what it is. Uh, you're going to have a very secret meeting with a director, and uh, we can't say anything about it. We don't know. And could you turn up at... And they gave, they gave the name of one of the most famous media haunts in London. So, of course they decided to have a very secret meeting in a very public media place. So Gareth Edwards um, and I sort of talked in whispers at a table. I was very relieved that actually there were some people um, behind me at the table who happened to be sort of, you know, fans of mine, which he says immodestly. But that was great because here I was being interviewed for this massive project. Um, and uh, I actually had some people, it was if I planted them there, if I'd given them a five <laughs> Will you say I'm a brilliant actor? Um, <laughs> so they did. But I, it was as if I'd put them there myself, but I hadn't. Um, so um, I went to this meeting and Gareth said uh, that, that they decided that I would be the right person for it, which is extraordinary, really, because normally for any, any, I mean, any slightly piddly TV thing or anything these days, you have to leap through the, the hoops, whatever the expression, you know, and, and, and go on tape and all this. I did go up to Pinewood, I think it was, and do a sort of screen testy thing. They pretended that that was uh, only for them, to see, and it may well have been only for them, but I suspect that there was a hint of seeing, you know, whether I, I was really going to be sort of okay. And I think that I had my detractors there. I, I, I mean, it's a very, very difficult thing to pull off and I, I'm sure some people thought that I was okay and some people didn't. I remember the um Tony Gilroy who's uh, who who shot some of the, the stuff for the for the film mm -hmm. because I think the question you asked, sorry, I dri I dribbled on. I'm very elderly. I can't remember what I'm talking about half the time. But you <laughs> asked well, how long I was there. Well I was there on and off for uh I mean, a long, long time. They kept saying, that's it, you've finished your role, Guy, you're wrapped, you can go, thank you very much. And I thought, oh, good, I don't have to be frightened anymore. And then a few weeks later, they call my secret agent back and say, can he, can he come back again? We haven't quite finished. You just like the leaving parties. Well, exactly. <laughs> Tony Gilroy, who directed some of the bits I was in, um, co-directed them with, with Gareth or whatever. He he obviously thought I was a bit stiff and stilted, and he kept saying to me, "Dance, why right? dance? It's like a dance." And I thought I don't remember Peter Cushing dancing, but I know what he meant. Uh, he wanted to free me up a bit, I think, and he was very very good. He was very helpful indeed, but I think he always thought that I was a bit stiff and stilted, um, so I won't be in his TV series. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes, it was um, it was it was an amazing experience like that. But it it was it was a straight out offer, and uh, off we went on that adventure, which took, as I say, must have taken on and off. It must have taken well, over a year, I suppose, for my bits. I don't know. Wow, an adventure it was indeed. Because I think um, Rogue One is is held on many people's list of favourite Star Wars film. I mean, you walk down the street, you can just point at someone and be like, what's your favourite Star Wars film? And a lot of people might say Empire Strikes Back. But these days, there are a lot of people where it's Rogue One. My friend Dan Sexton, my brother James, favourite Star Wars films, now Rogue One. And a big part of that is, and, and of course, Matty Boy, it's your favourite yeah. now, isn't it, mate? It is, it is, yeah. Um, it, oh, it, it's Rogue One. It's, it, it has really 
penetrated pop culture like rogue one has become so iconic and such a big deal um but one of the things i wanted to ask you guys obviously um in the prequel trilogy the the star wars films that were made from 1999 to uh, 2005 there was a lot of cgi effects a lot of green screen and obviously there is uh, some of that in in most star wars productions but the modern era Really, Lucasfilm and the guys over at um, Star Wars have really led the way in terms of practical effects. Now, what what was your experience with that? Because you're sitting there, you're in these Star Destroyers in these imperial, cold, you know, metal-looking places. What, was it like that on set? Yeah, I mean, that was what was rather nice was I, I, I had to wear, as you probably know, anyone who's sort of a follower of... of of the films will probably know that I had to wear this motion capture. Basically I had to wear this extremely uncomfortable, uh, nobody's fault, of course, but it was good, uncomfortable camera. It has to fit extre- extremely tightly on your head. So it doesn't wibble wobble about. So it does not give you a headache. Um, but so you wear that and you've got these little lights shining in your eyes and the cameras out in front of you on stalks. So although I was doing all the scenes, on the real sets. I mean, they built the sets. They built that. Um, there was wonderful um, uh, director Krennic. He was re- you know, everybody was there. Oh. It wasn't you weren't acting in a bubble in a green screen thing. It was all on the right sets, which was fantastic. And I'd say the only difficult thing was wearing this. This uh, I'd never done anything like it before. Um, I never worked with Andy Serkis, who does it all. You know, I mean, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have any experience of it. And it's a very, very strange experience because you you can't forget that you're acting. You can't really lose. I think that's why Tony thought I could perhaps have been a bit looser and a bit more free with it. But it's extremely mm. strange experience being covered in dots uh, with this thing clamped to your head. Um, and yet standing with real people on a real set. Very strange. But no, I was glad to have the real sets there because at least that part you could lose yourself in. You could believe you really were there. Yeah, it gives you something to act up as well. I can't Im- I'm not an actor, obviously, but I can't imagine it's very easy to act against a green screen with a tennis ball on a stick and having to act against that. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't get that in a midsummer night's dream, I tell you. But um so because obviously you've got you, you've got this clamped on your head, and I've seen the pictures and it doesn't look like the easiest thing to manoeuvre, which obviously you've said that. So with that in mind, Anna, how long did it take to get the expressions of Tarkin and Peter Cushion, but Tarkin and voice, obviously the voice, to a point that you were totally happy with? Because uh, one of my one of my great joys in life is hearing you say, "You may fire when ready." I I love replaying that moment. Oh, and yes. I just wonder how long did it take you to get the mannerisms, the look, like the 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 mouth movements, uh, and the voice down. Well, um, I. <sighs> I just went over and over watching A New Hope, you know, the, the the original, and I had a template line from it, which was the line, hang on a minute, I said I'm old, I can't remember me. Uh, you would prefer another target, a military target. You know, that, sort of, that was a line from the original. And before every take, pretty much, uh, of um, of this one, I would... I, I would sort of mutter that to myself to try to get to sound like Peter Cushing because I don't really. He had, he had a rather high, he was a sort of fluting voice. And as I say, I'm not a mimic and I don't think it's a perfect impression by by any means. But it is, I suppose it's more of a tribute. It's more of a sort of, um, 
you know, um, trying to trying to bring the character to life as best I can. Mm. Because mm. I can't I can't do him as accurately, quite frankly, as I would have liked. Um, and the but I tried. I really, really worked at it over and over again. Over and over, you know, with the rolled R is an obvious example. I mean, a friend of mine, um, uh, um, David Bickerstaff, he's uh, who's a, one of the Comic Con agents, looks after me. He uh, he was set, he loves the, the finger wagging thing that Peter Cushing used to do, in, uh, and he said I didn't get enough of that in. It's probably because I was too too stiff and frightened. <laughs> Tony was right. <laughs> I didn't get enough of the finger wagging, apparently. Um, so. Yeah, I mean the, the the people who really did the most amazing work, clearly though, after I'd done my bit and tried to be like him and have a, the same sort of me and the same sort of bearing as as Peter Cushing, they were the, obviously the people at um, Industrial Light and Magic and all the, all the special effects people who worked poor sods. I mean, they worked over and over again on you know listening watching me and turning me into Peter Cushing and it took months and months and months you know it's not not an easy or indeed cheap thing to do in a film and certainly not as well as they did it so all that a lot of that's the credit of course it goes to them but without your performance um they don't have that to work on which is something I wanted to say because I remember watching Rogue One on the night it came out because that's what kind of guy I am rushed out to see it and you've got the shot of Tarkin looking at the Death Star and you can kind of see his reflection in the window. And I'm thinking, that's as far as they're going to go with this. Then he turned around and I, I've sat forward in my chair like, wow, wow. And then the voice came and I literally was like, this this is incredible. And I went to see it with my missus and she was like, isn't this, isn't, isn't this guy dead? So it completely fooled her. That's the, that's the mannerisms, the voice <laughs> and everything. And again, it's I know so many people who have said that as well. So I think you did a very, very, very good job. Like you say, you don't want to be a mimic. You want to put yourself in there as well. And I, I mean, I thought I mean, it did an excellent job and I was, I was convinced. And again, I, I rewatched some of the scenes today. And I was like, it's, you know, almost when you put the scenes from a new hope and rogue one together, there's not an awful lot of difference. And so, yeah, so it's a testament to the work. Obviously the work that ILM and Lucasfilm did. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I'm very pleased to hear it. Do you know what, Matty Boy? I've got a similar experience to what you've just said, where um, I was up in the Midlands with my family who live up there, my missus family. I was with my father-in-law, and um, we watched Rogue One together for the first time. And um, he, he, do you know what? He loves the original trilogy. He's seen the original trilogy. And, you know, he's very aware of the car, so to say, right? And we're sitting there, we're watching Rogue One, and just the moment that you said, mate, is... There's that moment where Tarkin's just looking out the window at the Death Star and you see the back of his face. And it's like, yeah, that's as far as they're going to go. Mm-hmm. And Neil, that, that's my father-in-law's name, he says the same thing. And then he turns around and he starts talking. And it takes I, – I looked at my father-in-law's face. I looked at it. And it took him a good minute to realize – and he, get, he gets the remote. He pauses it. He goes, hang on when was this film made i was like yeah it's 2016 it came out only a few years ago he's like how did they do that what what's going on here and he started going crazy because i was like well there you go because what you did guy was exactly what you said you got the character right not necessarily an impersonation of peter cushing 
or even or even original Tarkin for that matter. You know, it was your own version of that character. And like Matty Boy says, you know, with the rolling R's and everything, the way you say these things. My, my personal favorite is when um, you say uh, effective immediately or something like that. Like I'll take over this space so effective immediately, and it's like yes. Yes, the way you say that, it is spot on. <laughs> it is spot on. It's, that's just, a, that's just a, gl- a glimpse of the feedback that was received with Tarkin. Well, that, that's what I was delighted by. Is, is, uh, I've had the chance to go to some of the conventions and the comic cons and people who, uh, who genuinely love the films have uh, give, given me the thumbs up. Um, I'm sure that many people don't like it so much, but... I seem to thankfully meet the ones who do. Nobody's come up and said to me, you were rubbish. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, thank goodness they haven't. I would have cried. Uh, but no, I mean, it's it's great to feel that people have enjoyed it because it, it was so daunting and so frightening to do. It was a big, big challenge. So I'm very, very grateful that uh, it, it, it it's come over okay. Although my, I gave my parents, my quite elderly parents, the DVD, modestly, a couple, couple of years ago, which they never watched. Um, they're not Star Wars fans, obviously, but they never even bothered to watch it because I was pretending to be Peter Cushing. And then it was on the television, uh, I think, last night, no, two nights ago, when, or a few nights ago, whenever it was. And um, I didn't watch it, obviously. And uh, my parents, I think, were going to watch it. Well, I haven't heard a word from them since. They probably disowned me. <laughs> probably thought I was <laughs> I haven't heard from them. So thank you, Mum. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, this the Star Wars community is very very grateful for it, and the community is very grateful for Rogue One as as a film in general. Like I said earlier, you know it's been it's been very well received, and, and people adore this film. And it's it just gets better the, as as the years go on. People just keep going back to Rogue One. Um, but one of the things uh, that that was quite famous and really popular around the world with the production of Rogue One was that it had a lot of reshoots, had a lot of cutting, a lot of changing, a lot of chopping. And to this day, we're not even sure on what was left out completely and what was left in. Um, We know there were scenes in even some of the trailers for Rogue One that didn't even make it to the final uh, cut of the film that premiered. So here is a question I have for you guys. Is there anything you were in? in Rogue One, that didn't make the final cut? There was a scene with Darth Vader um, and a lovely guy called Spencer Wilding was playing at the time. Um, I would have liked to have had that 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 bit in. Um, uh, he had to walk backwards, though, up his cloak, up a ramp, and that didn't go very well, so maybe they... <laughs> It's very difficult to walk backwards. With the <laughs> he up tripped up, up. Up a ramp. Uh, yeah. And he, I mean, I'm too, I'm a little bit too tall for, for uh, really, because I'm pretty much as tall as most of the actors who would have played Darth Vader, which Peter Cushing wasn't, but uh, I am too tall, really. And uh, so I, I didn't even wear carpet slippers in one of the scenes. The scene with Darth Vader, I think, that got cut. I had no shoes on at all. <laughs> I was just in my stocking feet. Uh, with very bent knees, uh, trying to look a little bit smaller than the beanpole that I am. But uh, I think that that was, for some strange reason, that scene was cut. 
I would have loved to have seen that scene. Was it a was it a short scene? Was it a long scene? Or do you think it was cut for story reasons, or because yeah, Darth Vader fell over? <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. Perhaps I shouldn't. No, no, never let it be said. He didn't actually fall over. He just wobbled a bit. Um, no, I think it was you know, it was cut for story reasons uh, only. I I think yeah, there was no you know they'd have they'd have done a, a version of it where he didn't fall over if they wanted to keep it. But it, and indeed they did. It was only one of the takes where I think he might have slightly stumbled. But um, uh, and there was I in my in my in my socks with my with my legs bent. But it was uh, it, it I. It was uh, so um, complicated the, the the filming of it in the sense you had to keep going back and doing different bits. Uh, that I, I mean, I, I didn't know uh, my breakfast from our blanche really in terms of the of the story because there were so many rewrites. But all for the good of the film. It was all it was all to make it that bit better. And I'm I'm so glad they did bother and they did work and work at it because. It's lovely to hear that it's become one of the one of the most uh, popular Star Wars ever, and that's fantastic to be a part of that. No, absolutely, it really has done. One of the questions I, I wanted to ask is, and you've probably heard this many times before, and it's not something which has crossed my mind necessarily, but I know a few people commented on it at the time, and it was because, like we mentioned, obviously Peter Cushing obviously isn't with us anymore, very sadly, and there were a few people kind of raising questions about the ethical side of bringing back a an actor or for their performance, who's no longer with us. How did you, did that cross your mind at all when Gareth said, look, we're, you're going to, to play Tarkin, you're, but we're also going to essentially superimpose Peter Cushing's face on yours. Did there, was there a time at all when you thought, hmm, I'm not sure about that? Or did you, or again, was it for the integrity of the film? It was it was vital and respectful in that sense. Or, you know, because I've heard a lot of people saying about the ethical side, but I just wanted to get your take on it. No, I completely understand the the ethical question. I mean, I think uh, there have been a few occasions where people have unfortunately died during filming, where they've used where they. I uh, can't remember. Oliver Reed in Gladiator. I think there have been. Yes, and an, a nice younger actor in something. Um, anyway, it, it, they've done it for that reason, and I can sort of see why they're to finish a film. But to to start a film on the premise that that's what you're probably going to do, I can understand the ethical queries, people, you know, doubts people might have about that. I think if it were if it were only a gimmick, if Tarkin as a character wasn't so important to the first that first film and therefore to its prequel rogue one if you know if he wasn't such an amazing character if it was just a joke or 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 a bit of silliness then i think that would have been very disrespectful mm-hmm. and um not not worth doing but that was never in anybody's hearts or minds to make it anything other than an amazing cinematic feat but also a tribute to the original man and the original character of Tarkin, and uh, you know he had to be in that that prequel, which was Rogue One. So, and also, I, I, I mean, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but the, the trumpet of everybody involved in bringing Tarkin back. Uh, when I was at a convention a couple of years ago, um, apparently somebody said that the, the the lady who had been Peter Cushing's secretary for many, many, many years and was obviously deeply fond of him was take, taken by the production, I think, to see the film. And she had apparently was very moved and said, "Oh, Sir is back." Wow! Which I thought was uh, uh, wow. very, very uh, lovely uh, tribute to what everybody did. So, um, if it's true, I'm very grateful for that as well. So, if she believed it, if she didn't mind, 
and they did ask anyone you know they did they didn't take it lightly um they asked peter cushing's estate and 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 that lady you know you know joyce and i think i don't think anyone connected with him minded so uh, and it was done in all seriousness and with uh, as a tribute to him because he was a fantastic actor he absolutely was and it's left an indelible mark on British cinema as well as um, international as well. So again, it must have been, like we said, it's obviously pressure for you to get in that role with all the ethical side of it. But again, without meaning to blow your trumpet, Guy, you did do a hell of a job in bringing the character back. Thank you. Thank you yeah. very much. Uh, well, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just on the lighter side of things, Guy, you know, we, we've seen lots of behind the scenes images of what happened on Rogue One, you know, stormtroopers at Canary Wharf Station and whatnot. And it looks fantastic. But what I want to ask you is, was there a favorite person for you to be with on the set of Rogue One? Maybe any fun stories from from then? Well, I loved uh, I loved uh, working with director Krennic, uh, very much method actor. Very, uh, he thought um, Ben Mendelssohn. I, I loved working with him. Very, mm. very uh, uh, good fun, uh, but uh, quite Dulali. And uh, he he threw himself in, and so did I. And we, you know, we 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 played the scenes full full tilt. Um, one scene, I was behind the camera, and people probably don't know some, but often you can see as the actor when you're placed behind the camera and the other actor is acting, you know, past the camera to you, sort of the eye line is just past the camera lens. But on the camera itself is uh, often a, a monitor, um, and you know, a cardinal sin is that the actor off camera, as it were, behind the camera. You know, looks at the monitor to see how the scene is going from the other actor's point of view. That would be very, very bad. And um, Ben thought that I was looking at the monitor, and I, I wasn't. But he didn't half shout at me. Don't look at the monitor. <laughs> it was all very, very, very. Uh, we won't go into the full language, but it was uh, quite, quite a moment. Uh, and I, I assured him that I wasn't, and he said he owed me a public apology. And I said, "No, you don't. I don't mind at all. It's, it's. Don't worry about it." But it was. Uh, he was great. I loved, and I loved him. And uh, and uh, Andy Delator, who was uh, somebody in a uniform as well. I'm not very good with the names. And Spencer Wilding was brilliant as Darth Vader. I know. I said he had to walk backwards up a ramp. With, uh, but he was. He was a great. He was great pleasure. They all were. It was. It was. It was daunting, but but exciting and good fun. Imagine getting to work opposite Ben Mendelssohn like that. That must have been that must have been awesome, especially in that the scenes that you were in. And I was going to ask you, was that working alongside Ben? Was that your favourite scene, or if you had to pick one moment, at one scene that you were in, which you think was the best, if I can say so? What would you? What was your favourite scene to work on? Well, I haven't really watched it for ages, so you're putting me on the spot there. I mean, I know there weren't that many, and I don't want to sound silly about this, but there were so many, there were so many um, takes and so many bits that were perhaps not there, and then we added some more. I mean, it's quite hard to remember remember them. I think because it, as you've mentioned it, because it's the most uh, amazing moment in, in, in the cinema for all the people who love Star Wars, the moment when Tarkin turns round and he and director Krennic have that scene on the bridge, um, looking at the, with the Death Star in the background and everything. I think that that was that was probably the the, the most amazing bit, really. 
but he was always you know it was always a great pleasure to to work with, to work with him i think he, he was he was great as i just said so yeah, i like i liked it all but that that bit was uh, probably you know uh, a coup de theatre wasn't it when that scene when you turn around cuz well, the firstly point to this question is had you seen the final footage of yourself as Tarkin before you go, went to the world premiere? Because obviously you go to the premiere, you see, you're you used to seeing yourself on the screen. Um, obviously when you're in Harry Potter's Pies, you're like, oh, that, that's me. That's clearly me with makeup on and um, a funky hairstyle. But obviously in Rogue One, it's not you. So what were your impressions, you know, going to the premiere, having Tarkin turn around, but seeing Peter Cushion, was it kind of like a weird experience or uh, were you just proud of the moment? I I think uh, the lovely producer John Schwartz uh, took me into an editing suite, and Gareth was there very late on in proceedings, actually, and he he just showed me a bit because I think he understood that I was feeling in a, a vacuum. I I didn't know. I kept being called back in to do new bits, and I thought every time I was called, back, I thought I was going to be sacked, you know, because it was no good. And it, you know, it's quite a strange and it was they made no secret of the fact that it was a massive uh thing to do and and very important and of course i knew that so um john the shorts producer very kindly uh, uh took me in to uh, the editing suite in london and uh showed me just a, a few bits and i'm i i was where they'd had a chance to work on i don't think it was the bit where tarkin turned round. i think it was an um another bit um but i i did relax a bit my shoulders did go down a bit because i thought oh well this is brilliant this is you know this is fantastic what they're doing and i'm not a total disaster so butch up guy and get on with it i thought so i had seen a little i had seen a bit of it but no the premiere was uh, well, I, uh, the premiere i don't remember much about the premiere it was too much pinot grigio yeah <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already said about after lockdown meeting up for a pint, so I'm going to hold you to that guy. Um, yeah. Thank but you, thank you. One of, one of the questions we were going to ask uh, lastly from, from us was, do you have a favourite Star Wars film? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I love them all. I, I, I love them so much so that I haven't seen most of them. <laughs> Yeah, too exciting for me. <laughs> I honestly, hey, I I'm not an aficionado. I really haven't seen many of them. I'm so sorry if that annoys or upsets people, but I haven't. I haven't seen uh, most of them, and I the bits I have seen, I think they're absolutely brilliant. But for some reason, I never. I I don't know why I never really got cottoned on to it when I was young, and maybe I think it's a bit late now. I'm very old. I don't know, but no, I'm. I I couldn't say because um as i say i'm not really uh a very experienced star wars watcher i'm afraid but i i do oh, what i have learned right. is how much well i've learned how much people are uh, uh they they mean to people these films and they they are i the when i have seen them i thought they were uh i can see why people love them they're 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 all about good and bad and we need a bit of definition of good and bad in these 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 funny times i think that that's what makes them sort mm. of uh timeless because they're they're like you know the old-fashioned fairy tales of good and evil and um i think that's why people love them yep, and you say timeless uh, you've obviously seen your own film rogue one through 
Pinot Grigio eyes, but you still saw it and it is timeless. And now you're part of that timeless legacy now. So um, that is, that's something you'll always be able to hold. And people like me who will show my kids and everyone I know who will show their kids and will now grow up and they'll, they'll watch you as Tarkin and they'll see Peter Cushing and, you know, the two will become synonymous. And that's a heck of a thing to be able to say, I think. And, and, I think, as I mentioned before, I think you did such a great, great job. And I don't mean to blow your trumpet again, but I want to think you did such a great job. And it's one of the most integral parts of the film. And, you know, hats off to you for being able to pull that off. Well, uh, thank you very much. And I'm, I, I'm not taking light of the whole Star Wars saga at all. I think it's an amazing thing. It's just it's never been one that I've got into myself. But it is something, I, as I've said, that people love. And to be a part of it like that. Is a is you know one of the best things I've ever had the uh, you know good fortune to do. So I'm I'm genuinely grateful, even though I'm not a Star Wars fan. I mean, I sort of wish I was because I meet all these people at the conventions and you know, uh, you know, generally around and about with people who love the films and things. And I think, oh, I've missed out here. Then perhaps this lockdown that we've been having and probably going on for a bit. Um, I'm not allowed to go back to acting work for months, I don't think. So I've, I'm a bit fed up with cutting the grass and being a dog walker and a housekeeper. So maybe I'll sit down and start with A New Hope again and watch that again and go through all the Star Wars films ever made. <laughs> see, if I, see if I manage that. Right. You've set yourself a challenge now. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with us, Guy. Um, but before you go, because we know you're a busy man, we know you've got um, you, you know, your, your, your pints to drink and whatnot, um, we, we do have a couple questions in from some of our most loyal listeners. They're patrons of the show, and they actually financially contribute to our show. Uh, and they have a couple questions for you. Are, are you okay to answer some of those? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course I am, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, so first up here, we've got two questions. That I, they're, they're bold together because they're kind of similar. And the first one's from Sean Hudson. He says, how did it feel acting in such a well-known role? And how did you prep for the part? How did you get into character? And then Martin Mead also goes on to ask, my my wife loved you in Holby. I thought you were superb as Moff Tarkin. What was it like stepping into the shoes of Peter Cushing? Was there any fear or trepidation? Did you enjoy your time on the Rogue One set? Well, uh, yes. I, I, I mean, I, as I said, the it was extremely daunting and... Uh, uh, challenging but so what you know that's what's excited that's what made it it's exciting um and yes i i did as much uh practicing peter cushing's movements and voice uh, uh as i could my friend scott fraser who's a lovely actor uh, um and he had a little part in the film um and uh, but he was he coached me and gareth i have to say was was brilliant um and so was the dialogue chap who sadly is no longer with us, um, and he he was great. You know, everybody was extremely helpful. Um, but in the end, I had to finally sort of do my my version. I had to sound the best I could while still giving a proper performance, as opposed to some sort of uh, slavish impersonation, which I wasn't really capable of. So uh, yeah, it was it was it was brilliant fun and frightening at the same time yeah 
Thank you for that goal. Oh, fantastic. We've got another one from Adrian Chorley. And we've got, we've kind of answered these actually during the main discussion. So I'll retool him somewhat. But he also Adrian wanted to say that he loved your work on Rogue One. And he said it was a groundbreaking and tasteful way to get an essential character into the film. Now, Adrian asked, did you know from day one that you were going for the part that they would be using CGI, which you've mentioned. So I guess on that is how far into the process of making the film was it decided? Actually, yes, we will be um, compositing a CGI face onto you. Uh, And he also asked whether your role went through any changes because of the reshoots and did you act opposite Vader? So we know you acted opposite Vader, but how long into the, into the shooting process did it take for them to determine, right, okay, we are actually going to go full like face composite composition here. Well, I think it became quite obvious uh, because it had been talk, I think at one point that they would film with me uh, as me, uh, or perhaps with some makeup, uh, and also with uh, with the motion capture camera on. But fairly swiftly, I think they realised the technical team. Um, the, I think they realised that it, all being well, it would work. So I think we stuck with that. And uh, there were various incarnations of the, uh, you know, what went on underneath. The, the the motion picture camera but in the end I, I used to go in about four or five in the morning and uh, you hold, hold a, a plastic mask up to your face like a shield with lots lots and lots of holes in it and uh, the makeup team diligently poke what basically is an eyeliner pencil black eyeliner pencil through all these holes so that every little twitch every little movement of your own face my face um became the basis of peter cushing's face so yeah i mean i'm it's very very detailed work and um i mean i've been heard some people have referred to me as a sort of stand-in or a double and uh it isn't like that you know that is for better or worse that is that is the performance, and you have to really remember that underneath the CGI makeup, there is there's a real person struggling to get out, um, and and that that's why I'm grateful to hear people say, you know, that well, I like your performance. Some people have said I'd prefer to have seen you without the CGI, which is a very nice uh, compliment. But I think much better that they did it the way they did in this on this occasion. Adrian himself actually said he thinks you'd be well capable of playing Tarkin quite and quite normally. So there's another one of our listeners who says, you know, had it just been Guy Henry and let's face it, I, I may admire when ready, if it had been yourself, you would have been great at doing that. No, oh, well, th- thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Absolutely. And then we've just got a few more questions. And again, these two are bolted together because there's some similar ones. There's some spiciness at the end of this one as well. Uh, But Luke Summerfield from Wales goes on to say, my wife loves you in Holby City. Who was more fun to play, though? Pious Thickness in Harry Potter or Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One? Did you also have to wear Cushing slippers to feel totally in the role? You did a fantastic job, by the way. And then uh, Jimmy Adams goes on to say, did you wear boots or did you keep it real and wear slippers while filming? <laughs> I think there's a lot of foot fetish people out there. <laughs> it's, um, yes, I, 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 uh, I, no, I'm afraid I, they made me beautiful boots. And unlike my, uh, the, the, the real man, Peter Cushing, unlike him, I did actually wear 
uh, the, 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 the footwear that they made for me and very comfortable they were too, but he didn't want to. And uh, it's famously so that he wore his carpet slippers. But as I say, in the scene that with Darth Vader that sadly um, didn't make the final cut, I don't think um, I was in my socks and with my, my knees bent to appear a smaller person than I am. So shorter, I should say. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was, um, that was, uh, uh, that, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't remember. There was a couple bolted together there. What was the rest of the album? Who was more fun to play, Pious Thickness in Harry Potter or Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One? Ah, well, obviously the answer is uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> um, although, <laughs> although, you know, um, Pious Thicknessa was a, was a great character as well. And what an amazing wig, great long wig all the way down my back. And uh, a very uncomfortable, um, very uncomfortable goatee beard. Um, but uh, that was, it was, oh, we do suffer as actors. But, you know, the skin's an organ. You've got somebody else's hair digging into your chin. They're not always very comfy to wear those sort of things. So, uh, in a way, I prefer the motion picture camera and being somebody completely different. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Pius Thicknesser was one version of me and my acting, and um, but Grand Moff Tarkin t- takes it to another league, really, doesn't he? Because he becomes somebody completely different, even though underneath it, the performance is mine, you know, is, your, is, is me. So mm. it's a weird and wonderful world being part of these. I mean, I am very fortunate, aren't I? I've been in Harry Potter and I've been in Star Wars, or Rogue One anyway, a Star Wars story. I mean, I did suggest at one point that I should do all the franchises <laughs> and be in Star Trek. I could go on forever. <laughs> you could be the new Captain America maybe as well. I can see it right now. Um, well, just before we move on to the last question, I, I said to my missus, I'd let you know that she's also a massive fan of you as Henrik Hansen in Holby City. I mean, you've been doing that for, what, best part of a decade now on and off and casualty as well. So there's a lot of our listeners, as you've just heard from the from our questions, who who know you best as... Dr. Hansen, like the, sorry, the enigmatic surgeon from Holby City. So, um, again, how, how, how does that differ to working on a TV show, uh, a big TV show, to working on a big set like Rogue One? How, what's the difference in filming those? Well, extraordinarily, it's not that much of a difference. You, you have to try and remember your lines. You have to hit your marks. You have to try to do your best acting when the camera's turning. And, and also... Because the BBC and Pinewood Studios and ever, you know, the films and television world, they often share some of the best technicians. I found much to my relief that I was working with quite a few of the technicians from Holby when I turned up on the um, on the Star Wars set. And, and, you know, I just did a little part in a, 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 a big thing for David Hare on, on, on the telly. And again, the, half the crew were, were off Holby City. So, you know, it's one big usually happy family in a way which is very very comforting that was interesting now i can imagine obviously the british film industry and tv is they'll film in, in certain locations so that actually doesn't make uh doesn't surprise me actually that uh there are so many people working on the same project but we had one last question guy and it's from alex jessup and he said hey guy he said how did you approach the challenge of acting the part and not simply delivering the impression and did you have any contact at all with the uh state of peter cushing well, as I said, I mean, I just I wanted it to be as accurate as I could make it without it being a slavish impersonation because I'm frankly not, you know, not capable of it. And they, I mean, Gareth didn't want it to be so. I mean, there is 
There are, I have never asked Gareth this, I don't think, but the, 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 the story is that he was in a hotel room and uh, the, flicked on the telly and there was an episode of Holby City and he thought that's the guy for us or something like that. I mean, whether that's true, I must ask him, actually. Do let us know when you find out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think I think that that makes sense to me. I mean, you could easily be in a hotel room and see some some anybody crop up and think, oh, that, that he he'd be good. He'd be good. Let's have a go. And then they obviously watched some other things I'd done. Perhaps I never really got to the bottom of that. I mean, I only know that they decided that I was the one, and that was that, which is extraordinary. Really, I didn't have to do any of the screen tests as I said earlier. So very very fortunate there. Um, but uh, again, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the question because I keep dr- droning on. I'm very famous for going off on a tangent. <laughs> That's okay. No, Alex, the last part Alex said was, did you uh, at any point have any contact with uh, Peter Cushing's family about the role? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, I, he and his wife, who he loved, absolutely loved, um, uh, they, they didn't have any children, so there were no children. And uh, at least I think I'm right in saying so. Um, and I did mention earlier that the lady who was at his side as his uh, secretary for years seemed, in fact, to give it her blessing, which we were all, I know, were very, very grateful for. God, there's one fantastic story about Peter Cushing, because most of you will know that he spent many years in Hammer House of Horror um, yeah. uh, playing uh, all sorts of uh, frightening people in horror films. And he and his wife, this is... Apparently, I wish it was a true story. It sounds true, and I'm going to pretend I think it's definitely true. They lived in uh, in Whitstable in Kent, and they'd been up to an awards ceremony in London, and they were driving back through the night. This is years and years ago, uh, in a rickety car down 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 uh, through the lanes into Kent, and uh, the car broke down in the middle of a, a terrible rain and thunderstorm. And Peter Cushing said to his driver, "I can see." Uh, farmhouse over there and I will go and look at I can't do the impression as you can tell but <laughs> uh, not in my sitting in my office at home and anyway to cut a long story short he marched across the field and don't forget he'd been to an award ceremony so he was dressed in all the sort of black tie and tails and all the their top hat and everything in those in those days and looking exactly like Peter Cushing from a horror film <laughs> and he rapped on the door of this farmhouse and the farm the, the farmer opened the door, a crack of thunder and lightning lit up Peter Cushing standing there in his doorway and apparently he fainted and fell to the floor. So <laughs> I really wish that was true. Fantastic, fantastic. Guy, it has been so much fun talking to you and obviously your mark on pop culture will will be remembered for a very 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 long time and as as star wars fans and especially listeners of this podcast you know we just want to say thank you and thank you so much for coming on to our show and giving us your time uh, and talking to us about you know one of the world's uh, most favorite fantasies so thank you so much well, thank you, and it's been a pleasure. I'm sorry there's a slight time lag my end. I think it's my elderly laptop is maybe playing up. I'm sorry if I sound a bit uh, a bit behind the conversation. That the fact, of course, uh, of course that I'm uh, doolally. But, uh, no, it's been a pleasure no. talking to you and again, and it was a real pleasure being part of it. Thank you. No, and we're going to hold you to that point, Guy. Yes, please. Thank you. Hi, this is Jamie Dew from the Duel of the Fates audio series, and you are listening to Star Wars Sessions. 
probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Guy Henry. Oh, what a king. <laughs> what an absolute king. What a governor. Honestly, that was the most fun I've had in an awful long time. Guy Henry is a, he's a knight of the realm in my eyes. He mentioned that off air, but... <laughs> Some of the stuff he's coming out of. I really, really enjoyed that interview. Guy, thank you so much for coming on. I hope everybody out there listening, I hope you enjoyed um, hearing the words of Grand Moff Tarkin himself. Oh, mate. And isn't he so well-spoken? Isn't he like, you know, he is that stereotypical British sound, isn't he? You know, oh, he sounds fantastic. And obviously, you know, Guy, he he is a busy man. You know, he does a lot of TV, does a lot of films. You know, he he's well-known and he is very well-respected. So the fact that he gave up his time to come and speak to us, honestly, means so much to us and, and you guys. And I, and I know you guys feel that. So once again, thank you to everyone for making that happen. You may fire when ready. the Star Wars Sessions game! That's it, people. You heard it and you love it. It is this week's Star Wars Sessions game. That's right. <laughs> and of course, this week, Lukey boy, moi, I... I'm hosting it. Matty boy, are you ready, big boy? Always excited when it's your turn to host, mate. So what have you got in store? All right, mate. This one is called Tarkin or no Tarkin. <laughs> you know it, mate. You know, it. we've we've kind of, we've played this kind of game before. Basically, I'm going to be spitting quotes at you from Governor Tarkin or just Tarkin. And you will have to tell me if that is an actual line that the old gov said, or is it made up rubbish? How does that sound, mate? Mate, that that sounds incredible. Is this movies or Clone Wars or all of them? Everything. Because there's only one movie, two movies in really, but... Yeah, Everything, I'm up for this, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. This one's it's for you, not, guy. It's not comic books. I'm not just like in or, or books. I'm not getting stuff out of life. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's stuff you can watch on the screen. Gotcha. It's stuff I couldn't on imagine Disney. you going through the talking book line by line, thinking of a quote. Yes, exactly. Exactly, mate. Being like, oh, get off the loo, will ya? <laughs> talking or no talking? All right. <clears throat> are, are, you, are you ready, Matty boy? Are you ready for this? This is going to be a naughty one. <sighs> Deep breath. I'm ready. Deep breath, mate. Deep breath. All right. Did Tarkin say this? Um, okay. Are you ready, mate? Tarkin or no Tarkin? Enough of this. Vader, release him. Tarkin or no Tarkin? Tarkin. You naughty boy. I started off with an easy one. That is right. That you is talking correct. To me? You talking to me? Oh! <laughs> you naughty one. You naughty, naughty, naughty one. All right, mate. Are you ready for some more talks? I was ready for some talks. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Here we go. Okay. I am not. Uh, hang on. No. 
<laughs> I am not your father. <laughs> Let me start again. I will not fail. I'm better than you, Kranik. <laughs> uh, not talking. Or yeah, no talking. No, no, that, that was an easy one because I flipped him ballsed it up <laughs> right at the start. It was Director Krennic who said, I will not fail. That's it. That okay. is it. That is it. Yeah, I was mixing them up. I was mixing them up. Okay, good oh, man. Oh, See, yes. Matty Boy knows it. Matty Boy knows all of this. My boy. Okay, are, are you ready? Are you yep. ready? <clears throat> the Jedi are extinct. Their curse has gone out of the galaxy. You, my friend, are all that's left of their religion. Tarkin or no Tarkin? You know, I I can picture the scene. I'm sure. I'm sh- I, I'm sure it's that the weasel who gets um, forced to no Tarkin. Oh, Matty boy. Yeah. You flipping got that right. Yes. That is not talking. However, so it might seem good. so good. You naughty <laughs> boy. You naughty boy. Okay, so what I did there, actually, it might sound a little familiar to you, you guys because basically it is somewhat of a line from A New Hope, but I changed around a lot of the words. So instead of curse, um, it should be fire. And actually, he says universe instead of galaxy, oh, um, right. which is which is a funny one, isn't it? You'd think that they'd say galaxy in, in a there. galaxy far, far away. They even right? say that in the opening title card. So yeah, you'd think right. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always thought that was like a, a funny one, you know, and I thought that was going to trick you, you naughty boy. I could right, picture mate. the words. In, uh, I could hear the words in my head, but I wasn't sure who said it. So um, I'm happy with this so far. Yes. You naughty boy. You naughty boy. I'm impressed. Okay, all right. Are you ready for your next one? I'm ready. There. You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. (laughs) I know they definitely said the last bit. Um, As for the whole quote, it's the bit in the middle. Do you want me to reread it? No, I think I can. I think it's a bit in the middle. I can't remember if he said it or not. And this is, I know, this is sacrilege to some people, but he definitely said you can be reasoned with, and you may face a bit in the. I'm going to go talking. Flaming heck, mate, boy. Clean sheet so far, mate. <laughs> yes. Clean sheet. Saints three, Norwich nil. That's <laughs> another one. Oh, naughty boy. <laughs> you naughty boy. You love it, don't you? You love the old Southampton. Don't I you? Don't, yeah. <laughs> Naughty boy, well done, mate. Very, you, very mate. good. Very impressive. Okay, are you ready for your next one? Hit me. We need a statement, not a manifesto. Jeddah will be enough for today. <laughs> he says the holy city will be enough today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Gosh, Rogue what? One, isn't it? Matt, what? Ironic. <laughs> the ones, the ones where I'm like, nah. I, the ones where I'm like, I'm feeling like, oh no, nah, maybe that's a bit too harsh. I'll switch that out, but I'll yeah. do it anyway. Yes, uh, you're getting them, mate. This is shocking. 
Well, just remember, we've been we've had a, we've had Big Boy Guy on the show, and we've gone back to watch that. Show, probably watch his scenes quite a lot in preparation, so I I can memorise the talking lines true. from that from that particular movie. I don't know how you do it, man. I'm one of those guys that listens to songs my whole life, and I still don't know the words to them. I'm one of those people. The like my mate Jakey it. Boy, he can listen to a song like three times. He knows half the song off by heart. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get how people are like that. I some songs I can, but not. But some I do have to kind of like ah, 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 through it, through some of the chorus of the verse. Bro, I was like playing Battlefront the other day with uh, like Levi and Glover, yeah. and I, I I think even on there I was saying like I was trying to quote something. I did it wrong. It was a prequel one. I was like, mate, I've, listened, I've watched the prequels for like for most of my life, for most of Luke Blywalker's existence on planet Earth. I know the prequels, and can I quote them? No. This is... What's happened to you? Don't know, mate. Don't know, mate. I told you I'm going to end up in a flipping nut job house, aren't I? So there we go, mate. All right, mate. Are you, are you ready for another quote? I'm ready for another quote. All right, mate. Matty boy, are you ready for your next quote? I am. Pressure is on. All right. Talking or no talking. Charming to the last. You don't know how hard I found it. Signing the order to terminate your life. Tarkin or no Tarkin? See, this is where it gets tougher now because Tarkin said that, didn't he, to Leia, but I cut about... Did he say to terminate your life or for your execution or... Drink, 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 drink. Mm. Oh, I, was drink, I was drinking. I was drinking. <laughs> I was like, I was like, he's taking a pause. Let me have a quick drink, mate. <laughs> Idiot says that E word again. Um... Oh, uh, how do you know how? To... See, is this one's a wild stab at the dark now because I can't remember the quote exactly. So I'm going to say no, Tarkin. Oh, mate, the clean sheet is gone. Oh. That is Tarkin. Oh, that's it. The sorry, sirens are going again. I'm sorry, mate. I'm so sorry. Six is it? Five or six against one isn't bad. That's it, mate. That's it. Okay, are you ready for your last one? Oh, yeah, Tim Wally. Okay, I'm ready. Almost there. All right. How are you, how are you nervous? I would have been if this, if this was like the sudden death penalty shootout, but now I've conceded. I'm so sorry, mate. I thought you were going to get that one. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you oh, ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. If you're right, he must not be allowed to escape. If you're right, he must not be allowed to escape. Um, No talking, because I can't imagine. I don't know where I've ever heard that from. Sorry, mate. Lost another point on that one, big boy. It is talking. When did he say that? It is talking. He was referring to Obi-Wan. And Darth Vader replies to him, escape is not his plan. Oh, I must face him alone. I was yeah. thinking, who did, he, who did he say that it's to? It's crazy, isn't it? There's so, dude, there is so much talking dialogue in A New Hope. Yeah, I, I didn't, there is I didn't so realize. much. Oh, mate. I was thinking, well, I must, maybe it's from the Clone Wars. Or I may, no, it won't be from that. I was like, who did he try not to, who did he say he's not going to escape? I was like, oh, it couldn't have been a Falcon because the Falcon escaped. Falcon because it's Right, escaped. yes. Yes, 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 yes. Mate. Oh, I, mate, you, awesome. you smashed that. Only two wrong, flaming egg. And I, and I was a bit, uh, you know, some of those are real hard and real tricky. So you smashed that, mate. I will take 
two wrong out of eight or nine or whatever that was. Yeah, oh, that was for you, was. guy. You, you, you helped me through that. Oh, we got the power of Guy. The power of Henry. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Guy power. Hey, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice one. <laughs> I did it. That was a good one, mate. No, I, I, honestly, I've got some, some of the hard ones, but it's the, it's the easy ones at the end. I was like, you did it. It's because yes. you planted a seed in my mind where you said you changed up a few words. I'm thinking, I'm sure you've changed a couple of words in there somewhere. And especially that one about terminate your life. I was like, no, he's changed that somewhere. So, uh, <laughs> well played. <laughs> No worries, mate. No worries. Another week, another game. No way. That's it. Nice one. Next week, it'll be uh, my turn to lay on the line for Blyla Ren. But sadly, for episode 69 of Star Wars Sessions, that is that for this one. Thank you once again to Guy Henry. We're going to have that pint soon. Thank you so much for giving up your time and coming on to speak to us about Star Wars. Uh, but the fun doesn't end there, guys, as you know. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us? Master Blywalker. You can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter at Star Wars Session. That's with no S at the end. You can slide into our galactic DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions. Or feel free to drop us a cheeky voice note or a cheeky message to our email address, sws at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. And if you want to support the show further, please consider checking out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. That's it. Be like Ollie 1999. Uh, we're on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast, you'll find us there. And if you love the show, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice. And head on over to podchaser.com. It's the IMDB for podcasts. We're on there and it's awesome. So again, if you have a spare 30 seconds, please do consider dropping us a review on there also because it helps us grow and we love hearing from you guys each and every week. So thank you again. And please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell your local grand moth, tell your Ewok, tell your cousin. The more, the merrier, the Kessel spicier. Yes, it is. <laughs> tell Darth Vader, you fellow, for doing Rogue One. This is the podcast you're looking for. So until next time from me, it's see ya. And from Luke. May the Force be with you. Always. Luke, my fire went ready. <laughs> they are Essex based podcast heroes. Tell that to Country Club. <laughs>